podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This week on the Marketers Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct to Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. For some for people of, of a older generation won't get that joke. Uh, Colin's looking at me puzzled and I'm quite glad you're looking at me puzzled, Colin, because you only remember Wackaday with Timmy Mallet and Michaela Stratton. And I'm not saying any of these are Timmy Mallet and Michaela Stratton, but I've got the glasses on, sir. So I will take the t- Timmy Mallet joke. <laughs> it's 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 Wednesday. It's Axon. It's the it's Daily Bulletin. It's the day after the night before, after a nation's hopes have been found in an empty can full of fagash in the gutter outside George Square. Um, how are we feeling this morning, boys? Oh, uh, uh, this is me finally experiencing what it's like to be disappointed by Scotland. It's took 23 years, but we, we finally got there. Monday was hard, but last night... Although Croatia are definitely the far better team, you still went into that game with just that wee hope that something might happen. And then when McGregor scores, you're thinking, oh, we might be onto something here. But nah, it's, it's not to be. Um, I don't know. Hopefully, it's not another 23 years. Brian, yourself? Uh, I'm actually, I'm kind of oddly proud. Um, I was more devastated after the Czech game, if I'm honest. That's when it kinda, I thought, do you know what? This maybe isn't going to work out. Um, so I just kind of enjoyed the other, the other two games. And you know what? It's been such a nice experience to see people smiling and joining in and people celebrating. And Scotland kind of being united for, or mostly united, um, for the first time in a while. Um, it was really nice. And my missus is Irish and she, um, she hates football normally. But I think due to the fact that I was getting so excited, she sort of bought in. And so she had a good experience as well. So... The experience was great. It was good to see that major tournament. Obviously, disappointing. You can you can pick the team apart, pick the manager apart, but I think it's just nice to be there for once. And, and for this past ten days or so, it's been been great. I tell you I what, think- Kevin. I just just because I noticed your t-shirt there, and it's the last one that is sensational. One of the best lines of commentary ever um, to be uttered. You have to speak about the commentary. 
over the last kind of couple of Scotland games. Kevin Gallagher and Rory Hamilton. Rory Hamilton really dragged Kevin Gallagher through those last couple of games. That was a that was one that a guy just get picked for random to come and sit alongside someone who's really really experienced. Hopefully we don't have to hear him again. We had an argument last night. Uh, I was watching in my friend's Grant's house, and uh, we really did think Kevin Gallagher was John Collins for the first twenty-five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I had no idea who he was during the England game the other night. Absolutely no idea. I actually think I did think he was John Collins during the England game because Collins had appeared at some point. Eh? Yeah. It's when you look at it, like our Wolverman, and everybody knows I've got an unhealthy obsession with Ali McCoy, but he should have done the Scotland games. Eh? He mm. should have, she should have been on the Scottish strand of the ITV coverage for the Scotland games, definitely. Uh, uh, he did the ITV four last night. Did That's it? where I ended up watching it. Yeah, uh, yeah I watched it there as well. No, I didn't like McCoy. I didn't even look at anybody saying that he'd done well. I had to say that through gritty teeth there about you that he should have been doing the co-commentary. But hey, I always wanted Kevin Gallagher to actually sign for us. That's that's one thing. I've, what I've noticed, I agree with Brian. Eh? I think the last ten days has been great. Mm-hmm. I think it's been brilliant. It's something as a nation that we've actually needed after eighteen months of this pandemic, which now looks like we may be getting out the other side, hopefully, and there's going to be a new normal or whatever it's going to be. I think it's been brilliant uh, seeing like the youngsters and like my daughter and that all getting into, especially last Monday, they're all going to the, all going to school wearing their Scotland tops, going to going to watch watch the game and that. That was mm-hmm. really good. I really liked that. We really felt all joined together for one well, sixty percent of us all felt together for for a uh, for 10 days anyway and what I have noticed I think last night was a bit of overreaction I saw an awful lot of overreaction on social media and it actually got me agreeing with Neil Lennon which I think I know know that there is a new breed of fan out there and there is a sense of entitlement out there. And I think, I don't, I don't know what people's, the younger generation's expectations of Scotland were. We are, I think we finished where we are. We're a limited side who done really well to get there. And the Czech game last week, well, as, as Brian says, was probably a bigger kick in the teeth. But last night, if you can watch Modric and just fall in love with football all over again. You're actually watching the, the, the wrong game for me, eh? And I think sometimes you've just got to tip your heart to the opposition and just go, that's fine. They, they're better than us, and that's it. And I, I, don't, I don't understand it. I think it's a social media thing. There's a social media entitlement here that everybody needs a knee-jerk reaction. Everybody needs to comment. And the more sensational, the better, which and a lot of them don't stand up to scrutiny as they... As they as the days, weeks, hours, and that go on. Colin, what do you think being a younger generation, man? I, I like that, Kevin. Thank you very much for that. The younger generation, that's, I mean, see when you start seeing grey hairs coming through, you feel as if you're coming out of that younger generation. Um, but no, honestly, I do think Scotland have a fairly decent squad. Um, and I still do think that they should have given the Czech Republic a harder game than what they did. Um, I think when Steve Clark looks back on it, he'll regret probably not playing two strikers up front against them. Um, and obviously the loss of Keenan Tierney for that game was massive. But there's so many different 
things in that Scotland squad that if you could go back to last Monday and change it, you would definitely do. Uh, you would play Gilmer from the start. You would stop playing the ball route one and missing out what is Scotland's best part, which is their midfield. McTominay, McGinn, totally missed out of that game. And although he did have a good game against England, you wouldn't play Stephen O'Donnell. Nathan Patterson would have been the right option to play at right back. There's these things that you'll probably look at now and regret, but it is what it is. There is a whole there is a whole narrative after Monday everybody's gone nuts has blown it but you've got two other games to go so it's only at this point when there's when there's a full stop at the end that you can look back and you go the chances that we missed in the Czech game and also in the England game ended up mm-hmm. close us but we're talking about this is a generational thing uh, when was the last time Scotland had a decent striker when was the last time uh, Scotland had a difference maker in the final third and you, you, we're talking up Billy Gilmore Billy Gilmore's played 115 minutes for Scotland mm-hmm. that's, all, that's all he's played and I don't know how many games that he started for for, for Chelsea but He's a fantastic talent. I'm not taking that away. But to call him the great white hope after 115 minutes, for me, is is actually stretching it a bit. But there is hope in that Scotland squad. Brian, what do you think going forward? Yeah, I think there's a lot of, a lot of potential. You look at um, some of the new players of the squad that could be here you know, for another six six years or so, say. You, you know, Andy Robertson, Kieran Tierney, Billy Gilmore, Nathan Patterson, um, Kevin Nesbitt David Turnbull obviously um, so you've still got a real strong group of players there I'm no like, I don't want to be too critical about Scotland because I, I I have been really proud of them I don't know that the five at the back suits us particularly well I think the focus should be on our midfield which is our strongest area but plenty of reasons to be to be optimistic for the future and then um, listen as the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. I think just touching your point about the, the fans, yeah, maybe fans are a bit more entitled. I think the thing with social media is you can be anonymous in social media. So you get so many people making comments that they know are wrong. So the reason they, they make them is because they're behind a fake name and a fake profile picture. So they can say these things without getting called on it. Um, and I think that's part of it. It's part of people nobody able to express their emotions properly. So they're disappointed about the results, so they go on the attack. Um, so I, I'm not 100% sure about the new breed of fans being entitled. I think what you've got is the more exposed. It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio is a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. 
Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Texting privacy policy in terms and conditions posted at textplan.us. Texting enrolls for occurring automated text marketing messages. Message and data rates may apply. Reply stop, stop, stop. The pandemic has been hard on all our kids. New studies show more than one in three children who started school in the pandemic now need intensive reading help. That's right. Millions of kids in kindergarten through third grade in the United States cannot read at grade level. Here's the good news. Your child can be reading in just 30 days, guaranteed, with Hooked on Phonics. Even if your child has been struggling, Hooked on Phonics will teach your child to read in just 30 days, guaranteed. And right now, you can get started for just one dollar text the word grade to 32 32 32 right now hooked on phonics is highly effective and incredibly fun and everything can be done right from home and in less than 20 minutes a day for more than 30 years hooked on phonics has been the proven learn to read program that kids love to use text grade to 32 32 32 and teach your child to read in just 30 days guaranteed text grade to 32 32 32 right now and get started for just one dollar text grade to 32 32 32 now text grade to 32 32 32 and then some of those kind of instant reactions are more exposed, and I think that gives us narrative of that's different from us. I mean, if the internet, Twitter was about in the 1990s, um, early 2000s. It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. I think it'd be very much the same as it is now. I don't think the reaction should be any different. It's just the fact you never saw them then. Aye, but you're probably right there. I've probably entitled is probably the wrong thing, uh, the wrong the wrong word that I was looking for. But as you say, there's a, there's a need for instant reaction. There, there's a need for instant feelings, instant emotions. Uh, there's a need there's, there's a need for everything to be black and white. You'd either left or right, up down. There's there's no if, there's, they don't let thoughts percolate or that anymore it's like bang 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 and that's that, that's my opinion and it's out there and I'm no I'm doubling down on it I'm not I'm not going to change that I mean I, I've loved the Euros there's still a couple of great games a great tournament left here eh? but I'm going to be really petty here to move us on and talk about Celtic I'm going to be really petty about this Euros I think we had a great Euros England never betters and the only player to score a goal for Scotland was a Tim I'm happy. That's a great <laughs> tournament. That's, that's a brilliant tournament for me. So we may as well talk about that time that scored the goal. Eh, Callum McGregor. What's your, what's your thoughts, Colin, over these last two games? It's been interesting seeing the way that McGregor plays for Scotland compared to how we've seen him play for Celtic over the last season or so. Um, a lot of the kind of criticism of Callum McGregor was he's not getting up the park, he's not getting involved in the attack. But for me, I think when he was playing for Celtic, he was playing in that deeper role alongside Scott Brown and he was really making up for what Scott Brown was lacking this season. Whereas for Scotland last night, he gets there, he's on the edge of the box, one touch and he puts it away. That's the Callum McGregor of old that we remember. 
that's the Cal McGregor that goes to Hamden against Rangers and scores that goal that makes the net make the noise. That's mm-hmm. that's the kind of Cal McGregor that we're looking for. But I think he had a different role with Celtic this season, and because he had that different role, there was a lot of people saying, "Well, he's been he's been pretty poor." That's that's not the Cal McGregor we remember. But I, I think if you get someone who's going to sit in that position and you can trust them that they're going to show up the back line and let you actually do what you're best at, which is going forward, then you'll see a whole different Callum McGregor next season. Do you think uh, that's going to be the case in Postagoglu's Celtic, Brian? I think so. I mean, we keep hearing about the, the, the attack and playing, how he likes to play sort of one sitting uh, midfielder and then the rest sort of going forward. And I think... Um, I think Colin's spot on. I think the best Cal McGregor is the attacking Cal McGregor. Um, that's sort of, you know, going box to box, linking play. You know, I remember the um, semi schools in Europe. I can't remember who it was against. Remember they took it, I think, volleyed it. Was it the angle? Um, I can't even recall who, who it was against. Now, come to me. But I think, yeah, I think that's what we've missed from him last season. I also think he probably took on too much responsibility last year. I think he tried to be all things to all men and make up for the team shortcomings and it, it didn't give him the best light. Um, but I think he's looked a bit more like himself. He's looked kind of free of that restraint. Mm-hmm. Uh, for Scotland, he's not the pressure on him that he has at Celtic because nobody expects anything from Scotland. We expect everything from Celtic. So I think he's flourished um, and I'm hoping that he, he, he brings that into the new season. Guess what I liked about him last night was I'm receiving the ball 20 yards for David, 20 yards for his own goal for David Marshall turning round and dictating the play. Mm-hmm. I really loved that, and that's something that we didn't see enough of last season at Callum McGregor, where he seemed to be covering every blade of grass. As Brian says, he was taking a lot of responsibility on himself. We don't know how Ange Postacoglu's teams are going to line up, the structure or anything like that, eh? But surely Postacoglu watched in the last two games has went, that's how he play Callum McGregor, that's a Callum mm-hmm. McGregor that he'll want to see at Celtic. What do you think, Colt? Yeah, it's got to be. I mean, even Callum himself will know that last season wasn't how he wants to play football. He was given a job at Celtic last season, and to be fair to him, he'd done as well as he could, given the circumstances. Um, the the best Callum McGregor I remember is that spell under Brendan Rodgers when uh, Scott Brown was out of the team for about eight to ten weeks, and he was playing that role that you just mentioned where he picks a ball up from the goalkeeper and he goes forward. He trusts that the players in front of him are going to get it up the park and he can go and join in the attack. And that's where we saw the best of Callum McGregor. Could he do that for us next season? I absolutely think he could do. Um, what he's got to do, though, is trust that the players that he's passing it up to are going to hold it up, he can link up the play and that he can join in with the attack, knowing that he's not leaving a big gap behind him, that if he takes that step forward, then we are exploited. And I think that he was able to do that, even though I wouldn't say that the, the Scotland backline was fantastic. He still had that trust in them that if he gets the ball forward, it's not going to be straight back at him again. Um, mm-hmm. And that's where he came into his element last night. He did, and if Poster Coglin's looking for a metronome, he's found one, eh, Brian? If he's looking for somebody that's been able to keep possession in those tight areas when they're building from the back, I think they've got one there. You're right. Listen, I think a blind man in a dark room wearing sunglasses can see that Callum McGregor's an excellent player. I don't think there's, there's any doubt about that. And I think, yeah, I think you're spot on. I think when, when Costa Colo comes in, he, he's got to look at that guy and go, you know, him, Turnbull, there's a lot to work with there in that midfield. 
So I, I think it's really positive for, for Callum coming back. And I think around the probably pressure three in a way is as much as you ever can be at Celtic because coming in, it's a new start. And yeah, hopefully, there'll be other people to take the weight off your shoulders. Definitely, and and it's one it's one of these things with McGregor on on Friday night against England. I was really glad that Billy Gilmore got all the plaudits because nobody noticed how good McGregor was in a game that all the big English clubs would have been watching. Right? Then he goes and has another great perform well a decent performance last night. He scores the goals, which makes his name in the papers and that. But then. The best midfield player last night in the week was Mod- Modric in the middle of that park. Eh? McGregor never got anywhere near him. And that's, that's no slight whatsoever on Callum McGregor. <laughs> McGregor never got anywhere near him. But what we're actually looking at is for a, for a Celtic point of view, and we've got to look for a Celtic point of view like, like here, is that McGregor would be refreshed. And we hope Callum McGregor's refreshed for the challenge with Celtic. Mm-hmm. And he's no got a text for Brendan Rodgers sitting on his phone this morning. He's gone, uh, I'll be speaking to you later, mate. Well done, I'll, I'll be speaking to you later. I didn't want that text to come. And that, and that's, that's that's in the back of my head. Do you think that could happen, Brian? Potentially, yeah. I mean, I think everybody knows Rodgers has been an admirer of his. And I think, listen, the way... The way English football works as if you play well against them, then suddenly you're, you're as good as them, despite everything he's done over the past few years. And in that game alone, you know, may have been enough to prove that well, we should take a punt in this guy. Um, actually, yesterday we were talking about how they can get Scotch players so cheap. And you can get, um, I, I mean, if Carl McGregor played in Spain, they'd be paying a crazy amount of money for him. Because you played in Scotland for Celtic, they can pay less and it's not much of a risk. So I think there is a danger he could go. It depends. I think, though, a, the flip side is, if he doesn't go, I think he'll probably see most his career at Celtic. He's about 27 or 28 now. 28, I think, aye. 28, so he's not going to make... This is his last chance to make a big move, which either means he'll go for a, the opportunity elsewhere or he's content to stay. So I think if he's here for pre-season, start of the season, he'll be here for a while. What do you think, Colin? I think that temptation to go and try out where all the money is coming from is a hard one. But Celtic have got to do something to entice players like Callum McGregor to stay here. Now, I'm I'm sure that he'll want to have a meeting with uh, Postacoglu to see what his plans are for next season. We've already heard that uh, Postacoglu spoke to a couple of the players before. Um, so I'm sure that's part of what he's going to be doing. I've seen comments saying that he's actually taking, or he's at Lennox Town today, I don't know if he's taking training, but he's there. So although it's late, we're getting there. I think it's, it's a kind of head over heart thing. I think Celtic are in Callum McGregor's heart, although he was never a Celtic fan growing up. I think he has grown to love the club, but it's whether he decides that that's enough to keep him there or whether he, he bites the bullet and sees how he can go on down south. Um <laughs> It's got to be the right club. Leicester would probably be the right club for him. Anything kind of lower than that or sort of towards the bottom half of the Premiership, you'll never see the best out of Callum McGregor. So I think it's either Leicester or Celtic and I get a feeling he might just stay. Brom's Grove boy comes in. Uh, if Calmac goes, good luck to him. Last big payday, it's a short career. And I don't think any of us can argue with that. If anybody offered us the opportunity to treble quadruple our money, it would be a head turner and we probably would, would take it. But 
But with McGregor, he's got a chance to stamp his authority on the Celtic team now. And with McGregor, for me, for me, I could lose anybody else in that team and it wouldn't hurt me as much as losing Callum McGregor. And I says that last season as well at this point, even though he had a poor season last season, the whole team had a poor season last season. eh? And that's still the same. I'll, I'll be dreading for now to the end of August that uh, or Collins, I don't know if it's Collins. Yeah, it's I'll dread for now at the end of August a bid coming in for Callum McGregor uh, mm-hmm. because, because of the amount of rebuild that's going on. And just now in the building, right? And really, he's turned up akin to like a, a chef walking into a restaurant. Mm-hmm. New job, walked into the restaurant. The manager goes like that to him, right, mate, you've got... 50 delegates coming in here, eh? High-profile delegates. You need to make a, a, a Michelin star meal for them. The ingredients are in the cupboard. And all in the cupboard is a ton of hot dogs, a ton of spam, a ton of corned beef, and, and some and some out-of-date ready-salted crisps. That's what Angie's walking into the now. And we're expecting him to get us into Europe in 27 days. We're expecting far too much, eh? I like the idea of the number 27, Kevin. There's, that could take us down a, a massive rabbit hole here, the number 27. Uh, starting with, who was your favourite number 27 to play for Celtic? Uh, well, you've got a couple, but the first one it's, it springs to mind, and let's keep the Australian theme going as Scott McDonald. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say he was my favourite, but he, 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 done a, he done a turn for us. Well, you, you take a look at it, right? So this will all tie together. So, 27, Scott McDonald, 27 days to the, the first game. It's a striker. Now, it goes back to the conversation that was had the, the last couple of days on Lee Griffiths being the striker to come in. Personally, I think Celtic shouldn't be offering him a new contract, to be perfectly honest. I think he's he's looked as if he's kind of had his time at Celtic. He's burnt so many bridges. He's been away, been given so many chances. And going back to the Euros discussion, he had the chance to prove himself this summer and what could possibly be the only competition that he'll ever have the chance to play for Scotland in, and he couldn't do it. But yeah, it does look as if he's been given a new contract. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean well, let's, let's, say, let's say about Griff, right? We watched Scotland last night with no natural goal scorer. Really, without any natural goal scorer, and the most natural goal scorer that Scotland's produced in the last ten years has been Lee Griffiths, and we've got that goal scorer there. Right, we're five seasons on from his forty goal a season season, the, the season when he was a top man in Scotland, and then after that you, you've got his two goals, two goals at Hamden against England. But he's the most natural talent, striking talent that Scotland's got. So are the club, as Postacoglu, just aiming, just looking at that going, we can't risk letting this guy go in case he goes, I mean, he's interviewed this morning, he seems to have some scores to sell. So as Postacoglu just saying, this, I'm going to hedge my bets here and give him another year and see how he does. What do you think, Brian? I think that... 
I think we might be in a position, almost like the Scott Allen position, where we keep them to avoid someone else in the SPL getting them, or the SPFL getting them. That could, that could be the case. I think with Postacoglu coming in, it's not just about his goals. I think he's going to want to see, can he work in you know, the system that he wants to play? Does he like his attitude? Um, I've, I've stated before I would give him a contract. I, don't, I think it's a non-risk. You know, if he still has a stinking season, it's not really cost as much, and we can we can then let him go for free. We're not going to get much money from him anyway. Um, so I, I would give. I think it's a low risk um, gamble, I suppose, to keep him. So so I would keep him. Um, interesting, you thought about the number twenty-seven. One of the players that springs to mind for me is Elanusi. And um, everyone was talking. He was the only that done well, and the only that we keep and get back. For me, I was not ever on the Elanusi train. I um, I never thought I couldn't decide if he was a striker, if he was a winger. I don't think he was, you know, I don't think he was brown up front. I don't think he was brown out right. He's not quite a number ten. I just think you need to have a very specific system to fit him in. So, and to spend five million on him, I think that's more of a gamble to get a guy like Griffin. Um, I probably got slaughtered for that because I know he did score a lot for us, but for me. Uh, I think he's a wee bit of a luxury player, um, so he's no somebody with a back. We'll come back to we'll come back to Moy, uh, but I'm going to give this question to Colin. Stephen Creamer comes in. He aims it at me, but I'm going to put it out to the panel because I'm, 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 the, I'm the host. Can what I mean? Uh, Griff was a disgrace last year. Why are you happy to give a guy so many chances? You're loving on something that happened a good few years ago. What do you think, Colin? What's your take on that? Agree? Disagree? Uh, I, I, I agree. I, I would have said to Lee Griffiths that his time was up at Celtic. I, I don't understand the idea of giving him another chance. How many chances does he now had? We're now talking he's probably had about four or five chances to prove himself to Celtic. And what is he living off of? Is he living off the back of the 40 goals that he scored under Ronnie Dyler? Because he's not done a hell of a lot since then. Yes, he had um, that sort of what, three months after January um, when he had the partnership with Edward and it, it kind of clicked and that's how Celtic won the, the ninth title when the, the season was prematurely ended. But I just, he's had his chances to prove himself to Celtic and I don't know if he just can't ever get there or if it's just one of those players where he gets into the later years of his career and He's already done everything that he can do in his younger years. Guys like Anthony Stokes, who was a fantastic player for Celtic, but then went on to do absolutely nothing after he left. Now he's meant to be in discussions with Shamrock Rovers. Now you don't want that for someone like Lee Griffiths, but if he's going to have a chance to rejuvenate his career, I just can't see it being at Celtic. What I'm going to say to Stephen um, is this. We only had Neil Lennon's side of the story and the coaching staff side of the story. And today, Lee Griffiths has appeared, funnily enough, appeared on the same programme as what Neil Lennon appeared on last week <laughs> and said, basically contradicted everything Lennon says, says he was fit, he proved that he was fit, and he just he says he, he reckons that he got unfairly picked on after a bad 45 minutes against St Mum, and that saw him out of the team for months, and that he always was fit. He, he, he has also come out and says today that he's had a co- conversation with Poster Coglu. Poster Coglu says he wants him to get back to the player that he was, and it's more, more than likely that he is going to get a deal. 
Brian, what do you think? There's two sides to every story. Do you think this is one where you've got Lennon, Lee Griffiths, and the truth somewhere in the middle? Yeah, probably. Um, I, I, I don't understand why, after criticising Lennon for so long, everyone suddenly believes everything he said. You know, I feel like just because he said Lee Griffiths isn't fit doesn't mean Lee Griffiths said well I was fit. So you're right, it could be one or the other. Regarding the, the comment, why should we give him so many more chances? I don't think it's the fact that it's about giving him chances. It's the fact that in a normal situation, I would say he should probably be moved on. But it's no normal situation. If we get rid of Griff, the only striker at the club at any level is Ayeti. Do you really think we're going to get a tune out Ayeti? If you had to pick either Griff or Ayeti, it's that's proven some sort of love to Celtic, it's got to be Griff. Now, again, in an ideal situation, I probably wouldn't have either of them at the club. I think Griff would probably go. But the fact is, we're not signing three strikers in this transfer window. So if you let Ayeti go and you let Griff go, you need to sign three strikers. We can't do that. It's circumstances that I think are dictating why Griff should get a contract, not based on sentimentality or based on some sort of idea to give them another chance. I think it's low risk. We keep him for a year. Um, it's not going really, really to do any harm to keep him. And it saves us having to buy another squad player. Because if you look at the amount of players we have to buy, you know, two or three centre-halves, a couple of full-backs, a couple of midfielders, a couple of wingers, and then another three strikers, it's impossible. You can't do it. So it's not a great situation. And it's obviously Celtic's fault we're in it. But I think I think we'd be cutting the most off despite our face, babe. They let Griff walk away somewhere for free. See, I tell you what, mate. I think you give a Yeti the benefit of the doubt because it, you've not seen it from him before. He came in, he had a good run of games at the start of the season, picked up a couple of injuries, never really get given the game time. You give him the fresh start of next season. But with Lee Griffiths, we've seen this before. It's not as if this was something that was completely new to Lee Griffiths. And someone in the comments come in and says, well, remember his health concerns and stuff like that. No, I totally get that. And that's one of the reasons that he missed certain amounts of games. But even in the, the Lee Griffiths that I saw playing last season, he didn't look as if he was someone who could go and play 90 minutes of football. So I think you're right, Kevin. I think there is a grey area in there that um, it, maybe he wasn't 100% fit, but he wasn't as unfit as people were saying. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, I still don't get this. Lee Griffiths has had so many chances. It's not as if this is just one bad season that we're writing off. The last good season that you're looking back to Lee Griffiths is under Ronnie Dyler. I know, I know. So, I'm, I'm completely agreeing with that point, Cole. I'm not, I'm not disagreeing with that point. And what I'm actually maybe getting at, what I'm actually I'm getting at, is the managed decline of this squad for four years ago. Mm. The fact is we are sitting here discussing... Lee Griffiths getting an extension to his contract. The fact that we're sitting yesterday discussion Anthony Ralston getting an extension to his contract. Four years ago, that dressing room was kicking about with Dembele, Edward, Scott Sinclair, Stuart Armstrong, Paddy Roberts, guys like that. And now we're sitting here discussing, well, by the way, there was only 10 guys turned up to training last week. There was only 10 first-team players turned up to training last week. And that's where we are. And that, that problem doesn't lie with Lee Griffiths. That problem doesn't lie with Anthony Ralston. That problem doesn't lie with Ange Postacoglu. It, it, it lies with the organisation of 
behind these guys. I've got faith in fate, right? But I've got no belief in the organisation that's putting us in front of this fate. The reason that we, the reason that we're having to make a decision on Lee Griffiths and Anthony Ralston, is because of mismanagement behind the scenes, mm-hmm. and that's not Foster Coglu's fault, and that's not the coach's fault. Who's who's like, have they made, who's probably made the decision on Anthony Ralston? Poster Coglu's maybe having a look at there. He looks like a man-manager, this guy. It looks like he's going to come in. I mean, all he's got to get is spoiled football players to stick the ball into the back of the net. All he's got to do is get football players to believe in what he's actually doing, right? And Stoke goal, goal's gone another net, right? I'll, I'll clarify that, right? Uh, but he might be, he, but they might have come to him and, and he's, Poster Coglu might have go well, am I going to chuck out a player who hasn't spoke to me yet, who I haven't looked in the eyes and spoke to yet, who there's only 10 first-team players turned up for training. I've been told there's all these guys want to leave. This is no my mess, but in the short term, I'm going to need to make these decisions based on instinct, based on gut. Then once I get in there and see what's happening, look to the longer term. I think we're over. I think we're over analysing these moves at this precise moment in time because we are only these twenty-seven days for the first for the first competitive game. I mean, what what, what do you think of that, Brian? What do you think of that? Uh, yeah, I, I think you're right. And as I said, I mean, I get where Colin's coming from regarding Griffiths. And as I say, in any other situation, I wouldn't give him a, a shot. I just think, as you say, with the, the way the mismanagement of the club and the playing staff is put us in a position where, you know, you're kind of, we haven't to rely on bodies for the sake of having bodies until we can change it. You know, and I think it's like <clears throat> you sort of either demolish the house and build up brick by brick or you go and you redecorate room to room. And I think you have to just plaster a couple of the walls, take over the cracks a bit, then start to, to renovate as you go. And I say, it just, it was no, it's no in any way an ideal situation. That in the fact that we even, as you say, having to discuss Lee Griffiths still, we should be discussing, you know, this player or signing or that player or signing or how the squad's looking or who's in, what our best 11 is. We don't even really have 11. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So, oh. I, I think that, I think it's, it's essentially the club's fault we're in this position. And as you say, I think Post Hogg is essentially making, when you have to make, Chicken soup, a chicken shirt, really. Mm-hmm. You, you speak about signings there, um, Brian. Now, the one player that seems to have actually been linked, and there seems to be a, a solid link to him, is uh, Charlie Wake, right, who plays for Sunderland. Now, if you told me that the two options were Charlie Wake and Lee Griffiths, then I can totally understand that. But surely we're not looking at someone who's a bit of a journeyman striker. I think he's like 28, 29 years old. He's going to be on a decent amount of money. You're not going to get any sort of sell-on for him. And it kind of reminds me of another number 27 that played for Celtic and Daryl Murphy. So we're going back to the 27 theme. But, I mean, if it's between Mike and Griffiths, I can totally understand that. But surely we're looking for better than that. And the kind of names that we've been linked with this morning and Aaron Hickey and with Ryan Gold, that's the kind of targets that we should be aiming for. Not someday as a journeyman striker playing in League One. And, uh, well, you see a journeyman striker playing in League One. Maybe that's maybe it's going to be a choice between Griffiths and Wake. I called them Wake last week, sorry. <laughs> uh, maybe it's going to be a straight choice because at the moment, their budget's not going to be like firmed up. 
Our budget, com- like, our budget is built up on a number of different factors. Season ticket sales, which the deadline is this week. Uh, sales, sales of players, and also where we end up in Europe. So whatever we've got at the moment, the players we're getting linked to at the moment are the players at the bottom of our budget until we actually see what's happened. I mean, we're all talking about players leaving. Nobody's left yet. Nobody's actually got... We've had no money bid for any one of our players and we've had no money in the bank for any one of our players. So at the moment, Postacoglu will have an idea of a budget. But he won't have his full budget up until the end of August. Brian? Yeah, as I said, I keep coming back to this, but I think it's pragmatism this year. I think that there's so much to do in rebuild that it's going to be a lot of like loan signings or, or one-year deals or you know former players coming back and stuff like that. And it's, it's far from ideal, but it may just be what we need to just steady the ship a bit and then redo it. Colin, you're spot on about the, the boy from Sunderland. Um, you talk about Griff all day, but if that's your option, then there's no option there. He scored 28 goals last year. Brilliant. Good return. The previous year, I think he scored four goals and five assists in 30-odd games. The year before that, I think it was three goals and six assists in about 30-odd games. It's not good enough. It's not good enough. If it's not good enough for Sunderland at League One, it's not good enough for Celtic. And and this, this is what I suppose it whole comes into the argument is what we view has been good enough for Celtic and what Celtic view has been good enough for Celtic. Um, and I say, my, what's good enough for, for my Celtic? Isn't he resigning guys at Lee Griffith? Isn't he getting these, you know, journeyman players as you spoke about? But the reality is, the position we're in, I, I think our squad's going to look kind of like that, at least at first. That's why I don't think... I'm not writing off this season, of course I'm not. And I hate seeing Celtic feel in any aspect at anything but my expectations are low because I think the rebuild is so so huge at all levels it's going to take more than at least a couple of transfer windows for me Colin do you agree with that on, on a week on a week that uh, the season tickets getting renewed that we're sitting here I saw somebody coming into the comments there saying I hope Ange is no flapping like you bloggers I hope Ange isn't flapping we are, like, we are, like ourselves sitting here but I don't think we're flapping <laughs> I, think awesome. just, I, I just think they're just pointing out the, the size of the job that has got and the people that, that will be flapping are the ones on social media the first defeat when, uh, when, we, when we line up against Mitchelland with Barca's beat on Welsh and whoever else and Lee Griffiths up front, you, they're the ones that will be flapping. But I think it's something that we've got to get ahead from that that is going to happen. Yeah, I also don't think we're bloggers. We're, uh, so we'll leave it at that. <laughs> um, but yeah, look, I don't think it will be a one season fix. I don't think any rebuild's ever a one-season fix. You never see that sort of where a team needs completely rejuvenated and it's all done in the one season. I mean, maybe a team like Motherwell, who have a high squad turnover season after season, they're able to do it where one season they finish third or fourth and then they have a season like last year where they finish in the bottom half. I think they finished eighth last season. But they do that every season. That's their sort of strategies. 10-11 players go out and 10-11 players come in and they hope that they get three or four good ones out of that that they can go and sell on. 
but we don't want to be playing at that level. We don't want to be Motherwell. We want to be Celtic. We want to be in Europe season after season, hopefully qualifying into the group stages of a trophy, whether it be the Champions League, which is obviously the, the dream, or the Europa League, which is a level which I think we can achieve to get to. But if you want to be a Europa League team, you're not going to get away with signing guys like Charlie White because that's that kind of drops you back down the levels again. You've got to remember, we really need to be challenging for the title this season as a bare minimum. If you still, at the end of next season, have that gap that we had at the end of this season, where's any sort of progress? That's what Steven Gerrard was able to get away with as a Rangers manager until they won the title last year, was that they closed the gap and they closed it and... <laughs> And just coming in under really difficult circumstances, I totally get that. But when you look at the table last season and how far away we were from them, you've got to start working on closing that. And it has got to start coming from, as Brian says, bringing in a couple of players just to build depth in that squad. You look at depth in that squad, you mentioned Mohamed el another 27. Who's on the left-hand side? You've got Mikey Johnson and that is it. And he's someone who's had real serious injury problems as he's grown through. So there's a lot of positions that Celtic need to strengthen this season. And whether it be free transfers or loans, they need to build a team that is competitive. And that should be the first aim and then take it from there. That's the base, build on top of it. You mentioned Motherwell there, Colin. Do you think we'd actually any better run than Motherwell? <sighs> no comment. I think Motherwell have run better than us. I think Motherwell have run better with us. Brian, what do you think? We certainly got a better PR team. Definitely. The, 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 the way they rewarded their fans with their, their season books was, was I thought was, was a real touch of class. So that certainly ran better. Um, let's let's uh, let's not let's not compare us to Motherwell though. That's uh, that's that's the last thing we need. I mean, I've said we're the biggest small club in the world, the way that we've been run. And, I, and But you look at Motherwell. Motherwell know that they're a community institution and they run it that way. They do good for... There's a social aspect. They're a force for good both on and off the pitch with stuff they can do. But folk mm-hmm. can say that they can do that when you've only got 3,000 season ticket holders. But Celtic can scale that up. I've got, I've got no doubt Celtic can scale that up. But they don't want to because it's not in the interests of the rich white men that are sitting on the PLC board. I mean, there was something that uh, last uh, Monday, Tuesday, one of the papers came out that Celtic never took the the, the loan that the Scottish government was given mm-hmm. for that was given for the COVID thing. Right, I understand Motherwell taking it. I really do understand Motherwell taking it. And part of me hopes that Celtic never took this loan because it would be used to play, pay highly paid football players who are already multi-millionaires. So they've never used it to, to morally, I hope that's what they've done. But see, deep down and my, my cynical self, these white privileged men on the Celtic PLC board are not going to do something as socially conscious as that and something that's no gain for them. They have to took that loan for a reason. They have they took that loan because guarantee if that loan came with any terms and conditions, they would have took that loan. They would have took that loan, no problem. The same as the third load, all the staff and that as well. So mm-hmm. I kind of get my head round that they'd done this for moral reasons, no taking that money to to prop up the club when others quite clearly did. 
So they didn't do things for their own good. They do things for the PLC's good. They don't. They don't do things for the football club's good. And I think Motherwell do things for the do stuff for the football club's good. And that's why they're better running Celtic. Colin, I, I kind of disagree with that. And I think when you look at the COVID loan thing that came from uh, the SPFL or for the government, whatever way it was worked round, I think the way it worked out was almost like a, a twenty or forty year interest-free loan that you paid back so then it was very very small amount that you'd have to pay back every single month and I don't think that actually kicked in until this summer Mm -hmm. so it was a chance for Celtic to kind of fill in the gap where fans aren't there I know it wasn't a a lot of money in terms of Celtic's revenue but when you look at clubs like Motherwell and um, teams of that kind of level getting a million pound a million and a half pound that is a massive help to them. So it, it does show that they are trying to protect the interests of their own team. Now you mentioned the idea about um, the staff being on furlough because that was a benefit to Celtic because they didn't have to pay that money out. So d- did they not take the loan because they knew, oh, it's going to need to be repaid anyway, so that's money coming out later down the line? I, I don't get it. But it's a, it's a, road, a loan over 20 years. It's not mm-hmm. as if they're, they're wanting to repay it next season. Brian, what do you think? For me, it doesn't sit right. I want it to sit right morally that Celtic never took this money because it was going to get used to pay, keep the club going. And it says, no, that's not what we're going to, going to do. But I can't see that. There's a reason that they never took this loan. And I reckon because it didn't benefit the PLC. Yeah, it's interesting eh, why we never took it. Like, to be honest, the, the loan terms sound great. Well, I'd love to get me one. I could do a million <laughs> that, that would be all right. Um, but, listen, <clears throat> one of the things that, that I think we've spoken about before, Kev, is, is how I see Celtic. Is a, I, I would love us to go back to that community. I'd love us to think there's people up there that really believe. But I think that when the first thing you put a Tory in the board, you can, uh, it, you know, you're no longer the community club. One of the things that really annoys me is the fact that they play on that. Now, I realise they're a business and they've got a market strategy, but I hated, I think it was one of the last statements about we're a club figured in adversity and from adversity will triumph or whatever. They had to harken back to these roots. But the people writing that are about far away to the impoverished backgrounds that the club is formed to, to help uh, feed and look after. They've not got that, that moral centre, they've not got that, you know, they don't do things for the right way, um, in my opinion. And I, listen, I love my club, but I don't love the board. Um, I respect there's a business aspect to it, and I respect there's a branding and marketing aspect of it. But I agree with you, I don't think they, 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 they do that at the kindness of their heart. Because you know what, see, they did do it at the kindness of their heart, we don't know about it. I'll tell you what I'll tell you what Kevin you've said this time and time again that there's there's two different Celtics there's the PLC and there's the actual club now when you look at the idea of what the club was being formed for and Brian you just mentioned it there if you'd the poor we were in a scenario last season where a lot of people in the sort of Parkhead area or a lot of Celtic fans would have struggled because they were off on furlough or because they lost their jobs because of the COVID scenario um, or they were going through serious mental health issues because of the stress that this caused. When did when did Celtic ever reach out? Now, I'm not saying Celtic have a, a duty to do that, but they have these community partners. They, they partner with food banks where they do drives 
a couple of times a season to raise, but I think it's for the Glasgow, is it the South Eastern, the, the, I can't remember, whatever food bank it is that they raise the, 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 the money for and they, they donate to. They partner with all these charities so that they can say, well, they're an official partner of Celtic. But all, all it took was for Celtic to reach out and just say, look, if you're struggling, here's the partners that we work with. Here's how you can access this. Now, a lot of people would have read that email and went, oh, that doesn't apply to me. But there'd have been a couple of people out there that that would have applied to. And as season ticket holders, all people that sign up for the, the B part of Celtic family or whatever it is that they, they register for, it would have just been nice for Celtic to show that initiative to say, look, you might struggle and you might not be struggling, but here, if you do need help, this is the, the people that you can reach out to. That would have just been a nice touch. We talk about how far apart that the fans and the board feel right now. Things like that would have really helped. Definitely. These are lost our contacts. Reach out to us if you want a wee chat. We're thinking about you. All the best. Hail, hail, hashtag this. One email that can be done. You're absolutely spot on, Colin. That's a great point. Spot on. I mean, I know our corporate season ticket holders got a nice hamper at Christmas. I'm sure a lot of them needed a, needed a nice hamper at Christmas. Um, look, everybody knows my, my opinion on Celtic. Like... I reckon we have to be a force for good on and off the park, and I think we've got a we've we've got a duty to the the, the community, the Celtic community all over the world, to be a force for good on and off the park. And I want Ange to bring to make the good on the park, be a force for good on the park, play good football, get young players in the team, and play football the right way. Show 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 young players that it's great to. This is the best place you're ever going to play football. You're going to get a great education here and you're playing for something more than a football club. We'll go back to the 27 club, Colin, because there's yes. a, couple, a couple of interesting things coming up. Coming up, And as we're talking about cap- capitalist decisions, as we usually <laughs> do on the, on the Wednesday, the State, the state of Football Finance podcast, uh, you, you brought up on, on, on your WhatsApp group uh, the chance that we might actually go to the J League. <laughs> the J League, yes. The, the J League to uh, try and make up merchandise sales by signing some talent for there. What was your thinking about that? Well, again, the number 27, one of the players that wore 27 was Zheng Zhi. Now, the only thing that I remember a, a lot about on Zheng Zhi is his goal at Tynecastle on the last day of the season because that was outstanding. Um, but apart from that, his performances for Celtic were very hit and miss. Now, Alan, I did a bit of research on him. Do you know he's got 108 caps for China now? So that's someone who's like a legend of Chinese football that we had in, at Celtic. And I can absolutely see Celtic looking to Ange and saying, you've played in that league. Who's someone that is good enough for Celtic, but is also someone that we can use that comes in We'll bring out a Japanese version of the website again, like we did when um, Nakamura was here, and we'll look to try and bring in that revenue from the the Japanese market and fans coming in and looking at Celtic and following their results. Now, unsurprisingly, there's already been a name linked with Celtic, and that's of Aotenaka. 
Um, a 22-year-old midfielder who plays for Kawasaki from Tally. He's got three Jai League titles. And the, the chat over there is that he's received an offer from a European club. You put Ange and you put him together and the link is to Celtic there. I, I'm not saying it's going to be him, but I do get a feeling we will be linked with players of that ilk from that league. And I can absolutely see it being not just a football decision, but a business decision, the same way that Zhengzhi, the same way that Dewey, and probably the same way that Nakamura was as well. Who was the other, other Japanese guy? Mizuno, Koke Mizuno. Oh, Koke Mizuno, yeah. What do you think of that? I mean, I'm no bored with stuff like that as long as the boy can, as a decent football player. That's, that's my... Aye. This point... I actually think it's a, a, a decent strategy, if I'm honest. I think that, that again, provide a good player. The other boy we're linked to, I think it's Edo, Edo, Edo Onwayu, I think his name was, the striker. Mm-hmm. Uh, he played for Costa Cogla. So you're getting a dual thing there. You're getting a guy that he knows, that knows the way he plays, and you're getting the commercial aspect of it. I'll be honest, I think um, the idea of going for Costa Cogla was that they were trying to exploit other markets. You know, already there's been so much interest in Australia, Japan. So I don't think they're stupid. I think they understand that there's a commercial aspect to it as well. But there's no reason why that, that can't be married together. And um, as, as long as we get an Akimura and we don't get a Dewey, I guess he's changing by the way, just in case anyone gets excited, um, I'll, I'll be quite happy. I, I, think that, I think the boy that we're linked with is, it definitely does look as if he's got a lot of talent. Um, I know you can say anybody look good on YouTube clips, but the boy does look fairly good. He's a midfielder. He's a kind of attacking midfielder, a number 10, so you'd say maybe David Turnbull's already in that position. But we were just speaking a couple of minutes ago about having quality in the squad. You can't have enough quality in the squad. So this boy, it looks as if he's available for around £2-3 million. I think it's maybe a wise, a wise investment. If Celtic don't make it in the transfer fee, they'll definitely make it back in shirt sales in Japan, I reckon. Come on, Colin. You actually say anybody can look good on YouTube clips. You have they seen my YouTube reel uh, hosting <laughs> this for the last year, man? You have they seen that? Um, look, there is going. I, I'm just going to bring in players that he knows. He is going to bring in whether it's one or two. There is going to be players that he comes in for the know. If they come from the J League or come from the, I'm going to call the Australian League the A League. Am I right, calling it the A League? Yes, yeah, A League, yeah. Brilliant. <laughs> uh, so we might, we, we might actually see guys coming in for there and go, what, what these guys I mean? I think they were already linked with Aaron Moy, mm-hmm. a guy who's yep. playing in China at this precise moment in time. We've got a big job to do, a massive job to do. And I'm not, I'm not sitting here bashing the boat. I want Ange to be successful. I want Liam Shaw to be a success. I want Luke O'Connell to be a success. I want Neil Held to actually stay with us and no, no, go, to, no go to Leeds United. I want Callum mm. McGregor to stay, stay with us. I want to get back into that stadium in the next couple of weeks. I, I, I've, I'm lucky enough, I'm close enough to Celtic Park to renew my season ticket. And I renewed my season ticket, even though I felt like the, the £50 voucher was... Not, not the right not the right decision I think Celtic could have done that a, a better bit of goodwill but I've already spoke about that at length but I can't wait to go back and see how this team is going to look and yes I've got massive problems with how we've got to this point but we're there to support the football club not the PLC yeah. we're there to support the players we're there to support Costa Coglu 
And that's what we've got to do, eh, Brian? Can I just spot on, mate? And hopefully we can get back to supporting each other a bit as well. And you still got the infighting and the bickering and the, the arguing. One of the things I'm most looking forward to next season is um, if we do see a couple of Japanese guys, is um, seeing how you handle the names, Kev. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> that's, uh, that's right up my street for next season. <laughs> but no, you're, you're, spot on, you're, you're spot on, mate, with the, the, the way you feel. I, I can't wait to, to see the, the team play again and see the boys in the hoops and, and see how it develops. I can, I've said before, I'm really excited for this season, despite the fact I'm aware you know, the issues on board. Um, as I say, I hope we, we can all get back to, you know, support the Celtic, get a smile on our face and get the banter back with each other, as opposed to screaming and shouting about Celtic dads and happy clappers and, and all that nonsense. That's That's been the big thing, I think, when it comes to season tickets this year, is people have got that sort of, the tug on the heartstrings that it's been 18 months since we were last there. Um, and now I don't know how much of it's going to actually happen because it all comes down in what Sturgeon said yesterday. But the, the chance that the, all the restrictions will be lifted by August 9th, if it does happen, then hopefully that means a full house at Celtic Park. And if that is the case, then the first game at Celtic Park after that will actually be at home to St Mirren, which was ironically the last game at Celtic Park. That would just be a, a bit of a turn up for the books. I like that. I do like that. that that's a bit of, that, that's a bit of synergy. That I, I do love that. Stephen T comes in to have a wee go at me. Uh, ha ha ha! Ha ha ha! Kevin, no conviction renewed. You're a laugh. Well, look, I renew because I want to go to the football. I renew because I want to go and support Celtic. And the only way I can guarantee to go to every home game is buying a season ticket. There's no other way I can guarantee getting into every game. I've been a season ticket holder since 1994. I know the only way to hurt this football club is to withdraw money. If I, the way I looked at it eventually, the way I looked at it eventually, if I withdrew my season ticket money, they wouldn't care. They wouldn't bother. If I can go there and go to the number, if I can speak my voice on this, go to the fans forum, speak my voice and stuff like that, I can, for me, I want to influence change in a positive way. And that is be dialogue. And you only get dialogue if you're in the stadium. And I think that's why this season, especially, well, last season, especially, it went on as long as it did because there was no fans in the stadium and there was a doubling down on a small mine like the Ross County game and that. So, yes, I, I was shouting about no road and you and that, but they're not getting rid of it that easily. That's, that, 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 that's my view and I'm sticking to it. Colin, what about, what yeah. about you? Yeah, I've, I've renewed as well. It's, it is a difficult decision and I did leave it up to pretty much the last minute that I could, but it is that getting back into the ground, actually getting to the, 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 the games and... I know they've put the thing out saying there'll be no extensions this year, but I wonder after that news yesterday um, about potentially having a full house in the not-too-distant future if that will suddenly change a lot of people's uh, mindsets. I think quite a few people are in the same boat as us. I think they're just, they've waited as long as they, they, they could, but there's always that sort of, as I said, an emotional uh, tug of the heart to get you back in. It's... Uh, it, look, my seat is uh, my uncle's seat I've had since so he had that since um, the stands were redeveloped and I've got that thing about well if I give that up that was his seat he had that from day one from when it opened and 
he, he kind of don't want to do that because that is another emotional attachment to that. Now, I think if he'd have been in the stadium for the whole of last season, whether things had been the same or not, it's a different matter. But you'd have probably got to the point where you've went, well, I've just watched 12 months of that. I don't want to do that. I'll maybe wait and see what comes out in the general sale or I'll go game by game until I'm happy again. But being away from the stadium for that long, I think that first day when you get back in through the turnstile at Celtic Park, it will be emotional for a lot of people and it will be great for us to see 60,000 at Celtic Park again. Hopefully that will be next season. Hopefully, hopefully. And like I know that they're looking at probably reduced capacity games uh, over the next couple of months. And I'm looking forward to maybe getting into one, one of them, but the way I speak about the board, I'll probably never come out in any of the ballots. Uh, I'll probably need to go in under a false name or something like that. Uh, <laughs> Brian, I mean, you, you're, you're a longer distance away than me and Colin. Eh? How, how do you see your support to the club? How do you value the support? Or how does the, do you reckon the club values your support because you're not a match-going fan? No, it all depends. I mean, I suppose on one hand, you're spending a lot of money on merchandise and other things, so they, they, they probably value that. I just want to stick up for you a wee second, Kev, uh, with, with Stevie T's comment there. So what I'd like to ask him is, if Kev did they renew and stop going to Celtic Park and protest, does he think Nady's going to take that ticket? The person that's going to take that ticket will probably just be happy to be there. So, if everyone protests and Stoke's going to Celtic Park, we'll fill up the people who don't want to protest, which means every home game, everybody's happy. So, if you want to send a message to the board and you've got a stadium full of happy people, they're not going to get that message. Whereas, if guys like Kev or Colin or anybody else are still going to the games and they can voice their displeasure or they can voice how they feel, that's a louder message. So, actually, I, I think you're, I think it'd be really unfair to Kev there to, to say that you know, he sort of bowed, bowed to the board's will. I think when people who knew they're going there, he actually voiced their opinion. And the, the players, the manager, the board will learn pretty quickly if the Celtic fans are only happy, uh, as opposed to filming the people who are just delighted to be there. See, coming back on that, eh, Durban Clushy comes in and says, if everybody stood firm, we would have got rid of a lot of them. I don't really think that's true. And because you, you will have the guys, like I spoke about that fans forum, where he says, just take my money for the six tickets. Mm-hmm. And whether we like it or not, there's 25, 26, 27,000 that will do that, no matter. The ones that we're going to, you've got guys like myself who are probably lost causes who'll shout until the highest rooftops. But all I do is buy tickets for the games. I don't mm-hmm. buy any merchandise. I, I don't. I don't buy. Uh, I don't buy the Celtic View stuff like that. I don't do anything else apart from go to the games. That's the way I choose to support the team. And I can. That's in my DNA. I've been going to the games since 1981. I mean, I get I look younger, and I shouldn't have been going to the games for 1981 and that. But I've been going to the games for 1981. I've been going on supporters' buses since since 1981. So it's very difficult just to walk away. It is very difficult just to change. Colin, you, you remember one of the biggest CSCs in Scotland, the Greenock CSC. What's the feeling there? Are, are most renewing them? But what's the actual feeling with the guys that you're talking to? I would say that most will probably end up renewing. Um, I think it's difficult. Um, there is probably a generational thing between those that are 
thinking they'll hold off and those that have been going for years and years that will continue to just go. Um, I, and I can't blame anybody that just wants to renew because they'll say that it's like they're, they, they maybe not go out and uh, get drunk every weekend, they maybe not smoke, they maybe not do other things. They go to Celtic and that's their thing. And it's fair play to them. I mean, they've been there for as long as they have. They probably don't think anything's as bad as the way that maybe some of us make it out to be and they just go because Celtic's the only thing that they've got so uh, I can't argue with people like that because they're never going to understand but I think some of the younger fans have probably waited till the last minute they've been really annoyed with the way things are going but I think ultimately most of them if they do have the ability to do so will end up renewing Right I've got to end with a question here I'm, I'm, this is a quick fire question because we've been on an hour and three minutes and all years I've got to get back to work first game next season Colin first game that you're watching and me and you hopefully in the stadium Brian you're watching in the house with your wings and all of that eh? would you want to see Ryan Gold in the Celtic starting lineup? yes Brian on the bench on the bench I, I wouldn't mind that look everybody he's been great today eh Thanks for tuning in, subscribing, doing whatever you're doing. Hope you all had a great, nice day. And just remember, be kind to each other and be kind to yourself. Eh? See you all later. See you later. Got hair loss? I know what you're thinking. Should I shave my head, comb it over, wear a hat? Just stop. This is in 1970. Keep your hair and your confidence because Bosley, America's number one hair restoration experts, can give you your real hair back permanently. Check them out today because they're giving away an absolutely free information kit and a free gift card to anyone that texts EASY to 203203. Dude, you don't have to look like your dad because this isn't your dad's hair loss treatment. People all over the country trust Bosley because they're ahead of the curve. They use the latest technology to give you your real hair back. And the best part? Bosley's permanent solution is protected by the Bosley Guarantee. Let Bosley show you for free how awesome your hair could look with an absolutely free information kit and a gift card for $250 off. Text EASY to 203203. That's B-A-S-Y to 203203. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives gives you access to all every audience live conversations trusted influencers and the insights and data you need to grow iHeartMedia is your access company go to iHeartResults.com for more Sports Social Podcast Network Sports Social Podcast Network Sports Social Podcast Network Sports Social Podcast Network Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network.
Sports Social Podcast Network.